TED Audio Collective. I have a goal of visiting at least 10 countries every decade. I've exceeded my goal. I'm now at country number 56, which makes me very happy. And let me tell you, the countries I've visited are so different on so many dimensions. Whether in Africa, Europe, Southeast Asia, or South America, I often find myself being one of few Black people and often the target of many stares. However, when I get the chance to dig a little deeper into the people in the region, I find myself noticing that there's so much we have in common. For instance, there are universal games. I grew up playing something called Mancala. Google it if you don't know what it is. But no matter where I've traveled, I've found some version of it. In the same way, sometimes in our organizations, even though we might be in the same office or region, certain groups or units can appear so different from the one you might be in. You're in marketing, and everyone thinks you're all creative, while you view those finance people or engineers as purely technical and boring. But underneath these simple categorizations lie more commonalities than we can imagine. So what can we do as individuals and organizations to more actively practice uncovering these commonalities to unleash new ways of thinking and doing business. I'm Madhupak Anola. This is TED Business. Our speaker today is Aparna Bharadwaj, a consumer strategist. In this talk, she describes how certain patterns of behavior in the global market may be invisible to the naked eye. And she shows how seemingly different consumers are more similar than you might think. Then after the talk, I'll discuss how we might be able to use some of the tools Aparna outlines to better understand people's needs and behaviors in our organizations. But first, a quick break. This show is brought to you by Schwab. You're here because you like to keep a pulse on trends in technology. Well, now you can invest in what's trending in artificial intelligence, big data, robotic revolution, and more with Schwab Investing Themes. It's an easy way to invest in ideas you believe in. Schwab's research process uncovers emerging trends. Then their technology curates relevant stocks into themes. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy all the stocks in a theme as is or customize to better fit your investing goals. All in a few clicks. Schwab Investing Themes is not intended to be investment advice or a recommendation of any stock or investment strategy. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Add a little curiosity into your routine with TED Talks Daily, the podcast that brings you a new TED Talk every weekday. In less than 15 minutes a day, you'll go beyond the headlines and learn about the big ideas shaping your future. Coming up, how AI will change the way we communicate, how to be a better leader, and more. Listen to TED Talks Daily wherever you get your podcasts. I've lived and worked in some very diverse countries around the world. I was born in India, but I grew up in Iran. I remember I was about eight years old as a child in Iran with my family watching the beautiful festival of Navroz. Navroz is celebrated usually at night with families gathered around a bonfire. They share food, they sing songs, sometimes they even jump over the fire for good luck. And I remember how deeply that reminded me of another festival called Lodi, celebrated all the way over in India, also with families gathered around a bonfire, sharing food, singing songs together. Even an eight-year-old child can tell how profoundly similar those two events look in two sets of countries that are culturally so different, like a kind of hidden connection. As an adult, I've spent 20 years of my life studying consumers all over the world. What they feel, what they believe in, and how they act upon those beliefs when they buy things. And of course, a big part of my job is to truly understand the diversity that exists in the world. But maybe because of my upbringing, what truly fascinates me is when we find these hidden connections, these secret similarities between people where you least expect them. Today, I want to share some of that magic with you bring you into my world, and we are going to go do some detective work on the world's consumers together. Stay with me, because I think there's a message of hope in here for all of us. Before we start, let's have a think about how companies, businesses are organized today, how they operate today. Most commonly, companies are organized by regions, sub-regions. That's how supply chains, organizations are set up. And if it's not geographies, then it's some other thumb rule. It could be linked to um, some common historic period. So, for example, the Commonwealth countries. It could be linked to a common religious roots. Uh, for example, I've been a part of a lot of discussions on the halal economy. It could be something, anything, that allows us to put the world into neat little boxes, neat little clusters that explain why people are similar or different. But I've realized that when you study the consumers and when you go deep, it's interesting how none of that applies, how wrong some of that thinking can be. Let me show you. About a year ago, a team of us set out to understand how consumers exercise choice around the world. In this process, we interacted with over 40,000 consumers in 18 countries around the world. We asked them many, many questions about um, their mindsets to start with. So for example, um, your worldview, your personal philosophy, uh, do you feel optimistic? Do you have a love for technology? Uh, do you care about peer approval? Things like that. But we also try to study some very specific consumer behavior. So for example, what do you look for when you buy a snack? Um, or you buy a beverage or luxury products? What needs are you trying to fulfill? As you can imagine, there was a ton of data for the geek inside us to go crazy with, right? I, I love that type of data. So anyway, we take all that data and we start to draw correlations. We start running all these analysis. So of course, when you do this for the US, 
you can see that the Canadians, the people of the UK and the Australians are very similar in mindsets to the Americans. Now, we had been studying consumers for a long time and the whole team fully expected that we were going to see a lot of clusters come through based on some of those thumb rules that I talked about earlier. So imagine our surprise, we run this data and we find very little clustering based on any of those thumb rules. We didn't, for example, find an Asian cult cluster. We didn't find a European cluster, nothing like it. In fact, we found 90% correlation between the Americans and the Australians. Two sets of people on the literal opposite ends of the world. Can you, think, can you imagine that? How, how amazing is that? And this is a big deal, by the way, because businesses, companies operate, govern themselves entirely on the basis of these clusters that we found didn't even exist. And believe me, we tested a bunch of thumb rules. And the interesting part was that it was not as if you can find new thumb rules to replace the old ones that don't work. The answer was kind of technical, actually. It was, just don't do it. <laughs> Resist the urge to find any kind of thumb rules to explain the world. These are only propagating stereotypes. So then we said, okay, if all these thumb rules don't work, how do you make sense of all the diversity that we see around us? How, we, how do we put some patterns? How do we understand it? So then we started to study the specific consumer behavior I talked about. What do you look for when you buy insurance? What do you uh, need when you buy beverages, when you buy apparel, cars, every, uh, things like that? And here we found something that was even more profound. We found that the Indonesians, the Saudi Arabians, and consumers of the UAE snack in very similar ways to the Chinese. Let's think about it for a second. These are Muslim countries, very different culture, very different background to the Chinese, and yet they snack in similar ways. How cool is that, right? And similar how? Well, for first, in all these countries, snacking is a moment of social indulgence. It's, it's something you do as a group. So people snack in groups. They, they share the snacks. They often buy a hot snack that they purchase from a hawker or a food court. Somebody prepares it fresh for them. The quality is not guaranteed. It's very important. They snack in similar ways. In contrast, the Americans snack very differently. Americans snack alone. <laughs> they don't share their snacks. It's, <laughs> it's often at their desk in a package. Very different from the rest of the countries. Now I wonder, do the Chinese and the Indonesians know that they snack similarly? I seriously doubt that. But what a beautifully human thing to know, right? And valuable too. Imagine what a Chinese snacking company can do with this insight. A lot, right? Let's take you to another one. Still staying with China, what you look for when you buy an automotive product. Here's the hidden connections. We found, and I'll name a few countries, there's quite a few similar to China, but two that I'll call out. South Africans and Nigerians buy cars with similar motivations as the Chinese. In all these countries, your car, your ride, is a status symbol. It tells your peer group who you are. So your car needs to show you've arrived in life. And it's a very external point of influence. What will others think if I drive this particular vehicle? In contrast, look at the Germans. Very different, very internal, very personal. Your car has to be fun to drive. That's very, very important. And who blames them, right? With those beautiful autobahns, lovely roads, no speed limits. Of course you want your car to be a fun ride, right? The French are very different from the Germans. They want their cars to be reliable to navigate narrow roads. So there you have it. 
two countries, France and Germany, neighboring countries, European countries, very different motivations. And then a couple of African countries, similar to the Chinese in the way they buy cars. No clustering, no business group will ever put these countries together. But maybe a road trip from Beijing to Lagos is just going to do the trick. Who knows? Anyway, one more, last one. Indulge me just to rub it in. <laughs> so here's another one. We're coming back to the US this time. Now, remember we talked about how the Americans and the Canadians are very similar in mindsets earlier? And we also talked about, uh, you know, of course, they are closely connected neighbors as well. Now, however, they don't buy apparel the same way. The Americans buy things that are on trend. They're looking to indulge. The Canadians look for utility. They are looking for apparel that can be good for adventure and a love of outdoor sports is critical here. But controversially, the Russians buy apparel in very similar way to the Americans. Also looking for something that's on trend, also looking to indulge. Now, to say that there have been tensions between these two countries is a serious understatement, right? And yet they have this one beautiful connection. They have one thing in common. What a lovely idea, right? Now, I could go on and on. I showed you just a few examples today. But we found this over and over again, category by category, country pair by country pair. We saw this in all kinds of things like luxury, beverages, insurance, you name it. We found these connections everywhere. And I don't mean any of this to belittle the massive, beautiful diversity that we see in consumers around us. That's exactly why consumers are such an important study for people like me. But I think this work shows that mankind is connected in a profound way that we never imagined. It also shows that these connections defy any stereotypes that you and I or businesses can come up with. These are patterns where you least expect them. And in these connections, of course, there are commercial opportunities for marketeers who can embrace this insight. Of course, it's commercially valuable. But today, I want to go a step further, if you permit me. I think in these connections, there's also a message of hope for the world. We live in a world that has globalized for more than four decades. And yet, we're getting torn apart, shaped by the geopolitics of our time. Countries are falling into blocks. Fault lines are appearing everywhere. I'm not a specialist in geopolitics. I'm just a student of the consumer. But when I look at this data and I think about it, if only people knew that we are similar in the most profound ways, in some of our most everyday activities, in the way we sip a cup of coffee, taste a snack, try on a new outfit or test drive a car, how beautiful would that be? Maybe if we knew that, we would also learn to understand and empathize with each other. It's a lovely thought to reflect on maybe with your next cup of coffee. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds. Thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magirite is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva. This show is brought to you by Schwab. With Schwab Investing Themes, it's easy to invest in ideas you believe in, like artificial intelligence, big data, robotic revolution, and more. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy as is or customize the stocks in a theme to fit your goals. Learn more 
at schwab.com slash thematic investing. Boy, do I agree with Aparna. There is power in data that allows us to connect people who are similar or who you would never think are alike. Have you ever heard of the egocentric bias? It's a tendency for people to fixate on their own perspective rather than the perspective of others when examining events or beliefs. We all at some point have experienced this. It's easy to categorize people and assume they all have the same wants and needs as you do. I'm referring to this in the context of a single person, but this phenomenon also exists at a much larger scale. Aparna's talk shows that entire countries have egocentric biases in the same way we do as individuals. Aparna is revealing the power of cluster analysis to reduce this bias and uncover commonalities between bigger groups of people. So how might we employ this type of analysis in our organizations? Here's a thought exercise. One question that many organizations are often trying to address is how to create inclusive spaces for colleagues to meet and socialize. People are constantly socializing at work, whether it's chatting with coworkers about preferred snacks, trading stories about the kids, or debating sports, the office is a space that connects folks who have many things in common, which also means there might be underlying assumptions around how to socialize, where to socialize, and when to socialize. This usually means socializing where? At the bar, on the golf course, doing stereotypical activities. But we know enough folks have different preferences and priorities for their social activities. If we use Aparna's approach, gathering data to identify preferred ways of socializing, we might be surprised at what we find. This is just one example of an area where cluster analysis might be helpful. Can you think of other areas where your organization could benefit from doing a deeper dive into behaviors and interests using cluster analysis? If so, take the initiative and try it out. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Brittany Brown, edited by Alejandra Salazar, and fact-checked by Julia Dickerson. Special thanks to Michelle Quint, Corey Hagem, and Colin Helms. I'm Madupa Akinola. Talk to you again next week.